Oh my! <laughs> Dude, that was great. That was a great masterclass, right there. Dropping some grenades. Dropping some grenades. No, it's a it's a good performance. This is the Fungada Podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's up, y'all, and welcome to another episode of the Fungada Podcast. And this is part two of our best performances of the decade series. In this episode, we're going to be going through our rationale for the teams we picked for the 2015 through 2020 seasons. Just a reminder, there is still time for y'all to make a prediction bracket to enter to win the giant cash prize at the end of this entire thing. Details for all the bracket stuff will be in our show notes, and you can check them out on our Instagram at the Pod. Also, apologies in advance to any of the weird audio stuff. We lost Rom's audio for a bit, so there might be some weird glitchiness here and there with it. Be sure to check out our Instagram for details on how to make a bracket and how to vote for your favorite yeah. 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 Right. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Bungara Podcast. We are on episode two of Bungara Bunga, best performances of the decade. Super exciting. So, uh, Nana, uh, why don't you tell us the rules? All right, so uh, for those of you who are maybe joining us after not having heard the previous episode, first things first, I would definitely recommend you go back and do that where you can hear our picks for the seasons from 2010 to 15. Before we get into picking our sets from 15 to 20, I'm going to go over the rules for how we are picking sets here. So first things first, we're only picking music sets. There are some really great live sets from the last 10 years, but those are not going to make it into this particular bracket. The season, as we're defining it, runs from August of one year through July of the following. So by counting this way, 2010 to 11 is our first year, and 2019 to 20 is the last year we'll be covering. We also, in the spirit of fairness and to keep things interesting across different teams and academies and different years, we're putting a maximum of two sets per team in the final bracket. Also be aware teams are only being compared to other sets in that given season. So even if there's another set in a different season that's better or worse than the one that we're talking about, we're only comparing against um, whatever is in the season. So first season that we're going to cover in today's episode is 2015 to 16. Sid, you want to break down what we've got going on this year? Hey, everybody. So in 2015 to 2016, we have a lot of teams this is the most amount of teams that we have maybe put out and again to kind of circle back on how we came up with the teams all of us put in two teams uh and so that's why when you have all of us selecting two different teams we get multiple multitude of answers uh so let's go through them first give a shout out to base at bruin 2016 a wonderful performance the the guys from from australia came and made their mark on the world uh, that video has so many views because it's the first first time an australian team came and really had an epic performance uh next we have fcb at mela 2016 uh shout out to us the only team to beat the future winner of this year uh then we have drp at bruin uh, an epic set uh we knew right when they were done uh performing the drp was going to win we knew whenever they whenever they brought out the ribbons that it was probably over and then finally when they were finally done it was actually over. Uh, next, we have FCB at Bruin, uh, where we went 20. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to talk about myself there, but uh, we did a nice job. If the lights didn't go out, maybe we would have. <laughs> maybe if the lights didn't go out no, a couple we times, did good, right? we would have uh, 
give DRP a run for their money. Next, we have NJ Warriors at Berg 2015. Uh, th those guys did an excellent job. The, I think a big thing about that performance is that it did solid, like, I think the circuit was still waiting and seeing what NJ was going to continue doing if they were going to go back in a more creative direction, but they more or less solidified their focus, what we're going to do attitude with that performance, with that routine. Next, we have Unkijuan at TBC, which I, which we will get into. We will get into that after we talk about our winner, which is CMU at Blowout 2016. Yeah, so CMU at Blowout, I can tell you um, as someone who was like a collegiate dancer when this set came out, I was blown away, as I think was most of the circuit when that video was released. Um, I just don't think that anyone had seen a set, particularly from a collegiate team, that just made so much sense when they were watching it. I think right from the intro, it was really creative to not just do a mela, but to, um, I think when there's a mela, there's a temptation to, you know, have fun and then jump right into something super hard hitting. And CMU managed to hold the audience's attention all the way through a jummer as their first segment. Um, so lots of creative decisions right from the outset. And... Um, the Chaya Chaya hit in the middle was like a huge crowd pleaser. There was a lot of things that they did um, in an unexpected way throughout the set and then put a really nice bow on it at the end with bringing it full circle back with the same Mela, which I don't think people saw coming. So um, I should say that CMU is known as a very successful collegiate team and had been up till that point. Um, I think 2016 felt like the culmination of years of CMU just getting better and better each year and trying newer and newer in things, um, pushing not just the collegiate circle, circuit, but the circuit at large. So a nice, fun story about CMU at Blowout is, uh, so I, I had the honor of judging that cop with Ankush, with Chirag, and Ashita. And that year, Blowout had a heavy emphasis on set creation. And when we were done watching the entire show, um, not even the entire show because CMU, I believe, went third and then GMU went fourth and then we had intermission. At intermission, believe it or not, GMU was winning in points. Yeah. Was it in points or maybe just in our heads? I can't remember now because we didn't, I mean, we didn't, we heads, didn't, we didn't, we didn't said... tally the points at that point. I take that back. In our heads, GMU was winning because of that set creation aspect. And the reason that was was because even though CMU set creation was excellent, the one segment where they just got on the little platform and played tabla, and then the dancers were doing jaw, they just was playing what are called derikits, and then the dancers were doing jaw. That doesn't match at all. Like you would never see a dole player playing a derikit, and then the team as dancers doing jaw. And so, because of that segment as a whole, it absolutely brought them down. Granted, when they put the towers up, it kind of just brought everybody out of this like WTF is going on here from an audiovisual perspective. It's a wow. But that in itself brought them down enough that we were, we were talking about GMU beating them. And then uh, at the end of it, when the points finally got tallied at the end of the day, CMU was still winning uh, because of the dance elements brought them up so much because GMU's dance elements were not there at all. And we were getting real nitpicky trying to decide uh, which team was going to win. Ultimately, CMU won out. But a lot of people just don't know that GMU gave them a very strong run for their money solely because CMU probably did something they should did something they shouldn't have done with the audio and the visual and them playing their kits instead of just a simple Charles style, Charles style beat with the double. 
No, honestly, that's like really interesting because I'm now I'm like stealing your point, but um, nobody thinks like that anymore. Like nobody looks at that GMU performance really nowadays and says, "Yeah, that definitely should have beat CMU." And like almost universally, CMU's 2016 performance is beloved as one of those performances that was like, "Damn, holy shit, that was amazing!" Oh my. But God. let me tell you why, and it's it's because Please it's because me, as judges we have a specific frame of mind of what we're looking for. What does the rubric tell us to look for? What's weighted heavily on that rubric? Because if you just, you know, again, if it was me without a rubric in front of me, I don't think GMU would have hung with CMU at all because the dancing was, was so mm. much worse, right? Yeah. And, you know, points-wise, it reflected it and was enough to pull CMU above GMU, even though CMU's overall creativity points were slightly lower than GMU's, right? That's how much better CMU was, mm -hmm. at, was at dancing than, than GMU. So that's something to keep in mind is the, the average, like, we all as viewers without a, without a specific frame of mind, right? It's mm -hmm. a different story watching from that lens. And then watching from a judge's lens in their frame of mind. The other thing about it, uh, we were put in a very terrible spot to judge from. Uh, that that year, we didn't we didn't sit where GTB was sitting. We were sitting like on the far left side of the audience, the far right side of the audience. Like they put Unquish and I. Like you walk into Lisner, you take a left, and you start going up the steps. And then they like mm. you. We walked five steps up and then sat down. So we were like, we were like to the left. So, so we were looking again, we were to the le like audience left side of the audience and had, we're looking up at the stage because you, you, we couldn't, you know, it was just like oh. a terrible vantage point. And there's nothing I could do about no, why it. Why the hell did they put you dude, there? I don't know why. What do you mean? Dude, oh, because we walked into the show. We walked into the auditorium five minutes before the show yeah. started and the audience was uh -huh. packed. Like there was no oh, way yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that we could have walked okay. up and just kicked people out of their seats. Like it was, it was gotcha. just, it was bad. So, oh, yeah. And then Uncle and, and, and or sorry, Uncle and I were sitting on that side. And then Jirag and Ashita were on the opposite. So they were like five seats up on the right side. Uh -huh. It was, uh, it was kind of whack, but that's another thing. Like people don't understand that we had that vantage point too. So we're trying to make judgment calls from that view. So DRP might've even gotten screwed a little bit because we couldn't see after their formations or any of their formations really. Oh, oh my, my god! god. Yeah. I had better seats that blow up than you, you did. did. That's astonishing. Yeah. Also, like, it's a little fun story. Yeah. Um, whenever they put up those towers after the double segment, uh, we there was a few of us, and we were spraying water guns at the audience as part of the thing. I'm not really sure what went into that call, but they just kind of, like CMU came. Wait, up were you like FC in USCB? Yeah. I was so with, FCU like, in the front row was instructed during towers no, to no, shoot no. water guns at the audience. <laughs> No, so we were like side stage, and oh. during the thing, like they like a bunch of the CMU people and a few of the FCB guys, we were like, pew pew pew, it's like like at the audience. I'm not I, again. I'm not really sure why they asked us to do that, but that did happen. So if you were in the front first, like three rows, I'm sorry, <laughs> but yeah, I will say some people in the audience did say that performance made them wet. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So moving on, 2016 to 17 season. Um, this was actually a year, unlike the previous year, where you know Sit outlined a whole bunch of teams that we all kind of put forward. We all had different picks. Um, most of our picks for this season were pretty much the same, and really it came down to three sets. Um, we had Fortile at Circle City 2017. Um. 
huge performance for Verdele. Uh, one of the main things being that they beat NJ, which is a huge deal. Um, right after they lost to MIT. <laughs> that was a that was a rough Boston. That was a that was a rough Boston for uh, many reasons. Anil is, I guess, in some ways personally responsible for that for delay loss. But <laughs> what do you mean? He made that set. <laughs> yeah, I he know. made that that Boston set. winning set where they all, that, took paintbrushes. <laughs> they took paintbrushes, wrote absolutely nothing on a sheet, and held it up and got first place. No way, yo. We got second. We got wait, second. Wait, wait. What? What? Have you seen this video of MIT and Boston? Oh my god. Y'all have, have to go watch this. Oh, what the fuck? You should watch it and then take a minute and meditate uh -huh. on the fact that it beat Fertile and then watch it again. <laughs> yo, what did you what do you mean you painted some shit on a board and pulled held it up? Do we literally that? <laughs> oh, like so that that wasn't hyperbole at all. No, no, no that is literally no. what happened. I don't know oh if that God. was a gimmick that didn't work or there was intentionally nothing on that sheet, but I remember they held it up and what I was, was like, I think so. The camera was well, is glow in the dark paint, so in the audience you can see it, but the camera couldn't get it. Oh, oh, oh it's like it's like a, it's like when we held out Kunde that were glow in the dark and nobody could or see like it. That was not glow in the dark. That was lights that were supposed to come on in the dark. There's no magic there. They just didn't turn on Umar. That's a different no, problem. They, no, they just didn't glow. I I saw it. I was holding it. Umar saw we had glow in the dark Kunde that you're supposed to put in the sun for a couple of hours, for like eight hours, and then they were going to light up for a little bit. We didn't put them in the sun for long enough. We also could have just bought glow in the dark tape and used it instead of the paint, which would have guaranteed it being glow in the dark. Yet we brain farted and we didn't even do that. What year was 2016. this? Uh, 20, the year 120. X to the V to the triple I. I oh, that year. Got it. I was always wondering if there was a gimmick that I missed there. Yeah. That's a gimmick that I mean we missed that gimmick. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I was like, oh, I can kind of see it. Like I remember looking, I was like, ah, yes, it worked. And then if our th if our theme that year was uh, a play on the 2015 2016 Bruin, where we're the team that just does a bunch of gimmicks and we fuck up all the time, we would have won that Bruin hands down because not a single not a single thing that we did that year what? went worked at all. Every, if we would have just cut it all out, we would have been great. Also, everything else was good. There's right, another, uh, the other t uh, team that I always wonder what the gimmick was. Maybe you guys know, was BK 2014 Bruin? Oh, yeah, yeah, where they went to the back and the lights just shut off. Yeah, I always wanted to know what that was. It's a reference to, yeah, it's a reference to a hip hop video. It's no, 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 that's a, a different, video. I know that, I know oh, that one. Oh. It was for the Kunda gimmick. Yeah, they like, yeah. went back with the Kunda and then the lights just went off. And then nothing and then they came out, and, and then they just kept dancing, and I was like, oh. It's not taking a break, guys. It's We did the same thing at Fever when we realized we were dancing for that nine minutes. We just turned the lights off after Kunda. Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, and nothing and was out, sir. The best like, and, if, <laughs> and if this ever makes it into the final podcast, I will say, uh, Hard Karen specifically called us out in the judges meeting afterwards by saying I was expecting something from it. But I thought the rest of the set was okay, which told me at the time that it's just okay to take breaks whenever you want to, as long as you can just crush whatever else is coming after that. We literally were like, yo, we're super tired. We'll just take 16 beats. That's That was it. Does anyone actually know, though, what the BK gimmick was? No one? 
Sumit, when you come on to this podcast, please come on to this podcast first. But then second of all, we're going to ask you that. Tell us what the gimmick was. Yeah. Yeah. No, no one is going to know. I don't even think they know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I. All right. So let's intro this episode. <laughs> intro this I don't year. even know why we're. Did I talk about Fertile? I did talk about Fertile, right? You talked about Fertile and that's it. Another set that we've got on our list here is SPD at Big Ten. That was by far the best iteration of that set that SPD brought that season. Um, particularly impressive how much they were able to change over from Fever, which had not been um, that many weeks previous. Um, but yeah, Big Ten, SPD got a huge crowd reaction, really clean, great set. Um, and our final set on this list, which we, by a very close margin, um, gave the uh, best set title to, was KPGD at Bruin 2017. Y'all gonna do me like that, make me give the summary for this one. I see how it is. I see. Uh, KPGD and SPD, it's, it's really comparing apples and oranges. You could literally pull them up on YouTube and... Uh, if you have a like a big enough monitor where you can put them side by side and just read the YouTube comments, you could completely tell that it struck a chord with two different sets of people. Specifically on the SPD side, it's very much like this is the essence of Bunga. I'm so proud of you, Punjabi. Like culturally, it's like it hits a lot of the right notes. And I think from a dancing perspective, it hits the right notes. And then on the KBG video, it's like this is amazing. I this was such an entertaining performance. Um, it also hits a lot of notes culturally, but not so much from the Punjabi aspect, just the evolution of Bhangra and then you know, the music components of that. Um, when we went back and forth, uh, the question I think for a lot of us was, um, when it comes to a performance, how do you measure a, a successful performance? And I think a few of us um, picked SPD um, because that year, uh, they were the best team. They have had a huge impact on the circuit in terms of dancing. Um, the KBGD performance, by comparison, um, I don't think anybody expected anything from that, uh, especially the year before. I think the year before at Bruin, they were the last place team, and they <laughs> were objectively trash. And um, it was a situation where, you know, I, I was live at both performances, and my takeaways were very simply that I knew how amazing SPD was and I had set my expectations high and they exceeded them. And I gave them, you know, a round of applause and I didn't stand. I just kind of knew I was, I, we had literally just performed, Sid and I were backstage watching a video feed in the changing room and watching the SPD performance. And we just both knew we had, we had lost and, you know, deservedly so, right. Uh, from a performance standpoint. Uh, Bruin was a different thing. I was dancing with Mob at Bruin and um, I, I was like, I want to go watch the KBG performance because a lot of KBG folks were saying that this this set was going to be uh, absolutely shitty. Every single person they were, every single person I talked to was like, this is bad. This is terrible. Kuntal doesn't know what he's doing. Samit doesn't know what he's doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> um, it was it was a lot of that over and over and over again. I remember seeing them at the pre-party and a couple of the guys were just like, you know what, whatever happens, happens tomorrow. And um, I was watching from one of the balconies and it's one of those things where like there's like a i think there's a certain part of all of us that's that's that we go and we decide that we want to do things 
and we want to do things with little preparation, i.e. like college and or like high school or like studying for an exam or preparing for a major meeting. And I think like 5% of the time we think about like, hey, what if we just did this with no preparation and we just winged it and then just hope that the stars aligned, that it would make sense and it would resonate. And that's what happened with the KBG performance. It just seemed like every single thing that they did, um, every single segment hit super, super hard with everybody and the expectations from a Bruin standpoint. And um, I think, you know, Bruin has this history of wanting to see the best of the best, uh, whether that's be a, you know, a, a more creative performance with a lot of gimmicks, whether that's a dancing performance, like, you know, SPD later on in, uh, in the Bruin life cycle, they always wanted to, to get something that will get them on their feet. And um, the KPGD performance, I, I think 200, 300, 400 people, uh, the first 10 rows in the audience, it was a standing ovation for a couple of minutes. And uh, very rarely do, do I see or have received that. I've personally have received that twice in my life. Uh, one was at Berg 7 when we won in front of um, our home crowd and everybody in Pittsburgh. It was a stand, standing ovation. I think that was more of like a pity standing ovation. Like, yo, fuck these guys. Like, this has been a really long time. I was just, congratulations, here you go. And like, my mom was like, I don't have to come to Bunger competitions anymore. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> the second time was at Elite Eight when the music cut out and everyone gave us a standing ovation and they were like, it was just this, like, I just remember walking to the judges meeting and they were like, Hey, you know, I gave you a standing ovation. You lost, uh, and you should have lost. But at the same time, I gave you a standing ovation for that. Uh, the KBGD Bruin performance is one of those really rare times when I think you saw something and I don't know if it was going to change the circuit. I don't, I don't think a lot of what KBGD <clears throat> did, um, had any influence on teams post that. I think it's, <laughs> crazy to pull off like it it's just it's just so much to do um which i think is part of the reason that i picked the kbgd performance um because it it's like a level of it's a level of um craziness and creativity that was just very very much unique to them and yeah. whereas like i think a lot of the spd dancing um has percolated into other sets that was that's what stood out for me and i could go into detail from a kpgd perspective in terms of the individual segments but i think at this point if you're probably listening to this you've and you've danced bunger in the last four years you've probably watched both of these sets ad nauseum so i would just at that point be playing to the crowd i would disagree though rum it definitely changed like i think kpg's performance did change circuit mainly Bruin though because ever since that year it's kind of just been like yo who had the hottest theme and we all turn into fusion teams for like one competition with Umar's statement. What do you mean? What do you, what? <clears throat> so I think that, I don't think. There was lit there are literally themed performances now, sir. Yeah, well, that's just a choice that teams decide to make, but I could, I could yeah, make no, like. Yeah, I know, probably because of KBGD well, and how. Let me, let me how... just, let me, let me elaborate. No. So I just, I just, I. <laughs> it, to, to your first point, go, to your go, first go, point. Go, go, go. We take a look at this past Burren that, that <clears throat> I judged. AEG in 2013 yeah. would have beaten all of the teams there. And that wasn't themed. Okay. So I don't okay, want to, so fine. I don't I disagree you. with the fact that having, just because you have a theme means you're going to win or just because you have a theme. Man, I, did I, sir, did I, did well, I say that's that? that's what you're implying right now. <laughs> that is absolutely not what I'm implying. I am telling, you, I'm saying but, to change how people approach exactly, sets. Exactly. So that, but that's the, that's the idea. If we don't have this, then we can't win is why you do what you're saying. And I'm telling you that, that 
I'm not saying that though. I'm just saying that there are now teams that make yeah because that's sets. what they think that didn't happen before this performance and now it does. Uh, uh, it's an influence. Umar, what I am telling you is because you are saying it is an influence means that teams think that they can they may have to do it. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. People have made thematic sets before in the past, right? And while I there mean, might be a greater uptake in thematic performances at Bruin, I would say that that is still not as big of a change I as mean, how SBD has completely changed. I mean, agreed. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm also not saying that SPD's influence was less than KPGD. I mean, anybody who says that I mean, is. Stupid. I mean, Umar Fodge has been doing a theme since day one, almost for their own team. Agreed. Right? I understand. Like, I'm saying there are now more. I don't know. There are more teams. There... Okay, no, hold on. I have a question. I have a question. How many other sets do we know? I, I don't have a position on this, actually. I'm listening, just listening to you guys talk about this. But how many other sets are there that have storyline sort of themes? Viaranja. Let's KPG again. But other than them. No, I know. No, prior I know. prior, to, prior know. to this 2017 Bruin sets, how many other sets had, like, Storyline theme, and I don't know if Fudge. you guys consider the Bruins set I mean, a yeah, storyline theme, but like, I consider KPGD a storyline at Bruin, and mm -hmm. I'm just wondering how many there were before that because I can definitely point to quite a few after that. I don't know how many there were before that. See, I guess I don't. I, when you said the word storyline, I don't. I don't remember any off the top of my head. I think that if you want to, if you want to use the word the theme, where uh, Van City did singers, uh, GGW yeah, did. That was after. The um, Avengers. Avengers. After you know, Fodge has been doing a theme the their entire entire lifespan. Absolutely, I don't think that KPGD I, is like storyline. Then no storyline. No. I, all I'm saying, guys, guys. All I'm saying, KPGD did their theme performance, and now there are more theme performances. Can you? Can we all agree on that very simple fact? I think I agree with you. If we talk about themes beyond just like. I would say that Fodge's theme is like a team identity more than it is like a thing that goes into making decisions about like the actual set construction, right? It's a thing that they kind of keep hearkening back to the same way that other teams do with like signature moves and stuff like that and Vardy, but it's not... Shing, shing, shing. Right, things like that where it's like it's... Things like that where it's team identity, not necessarily a thing that defines set construction. Mm -hmm. I think I agree with Umer if I take the angle of it being a storyline thing i think that the uptick in performances that attempted to tell a story happened after kpgd at bruin there's a lot empire actually has brought bruin performances with themes to like like really really obvious themes um bruin please tell the yeah bruin 2016 base came and they had like uh they they sort of had like a they sort of had like a setup, right? Where like they sort of had a storyline where they were fugitives and they had the Jugajet thing, but like Right. But the is that is that a theme though? Because they did they they mentioned it at the beginning. That's, they did that's no, but that's what middle, I'm saying. It. It's not it's not but that's the difference. That's exactly the difference I'm trying to point out, right? Like okay, other gotcha. teams have done this, but mm -hmm. And like Fodge has also done the thing, if you want to talk about it moving for army from just like a team identity to a theme, they've also done performances Yo, where they've opened right we got planes but they've done performances where they've opened where like okay they're also you know like army invading the stage or whatever like that but kpgd carried their theme as mm -hmm. an actual story from segment to segment mm -hmm. successfully and won bruin 
Like, I mm-hmm. think that magic combination is the thing that maybe planted this seed that you're talking about, Umar, where it's like, okay, if we do this thing start to finish and have something tying all our segments together from a narrative standpoint, that's something that can be successful at Bruin. And I don't know if that's maybe like a kind of a merging of the two ideas that I think Sid it's, and Umar, you guys are both talking about. Not, that's, Nana, you're saying exactly what I'm saying. One I'm thing I want to add in here, you know, what's up, listening to all this um one thing that is so unique about that kpgd performance is with themes you have teams like fcb has planes fodge has an army um you know they have these themes but what kpg did dd kpgd did that was so unique was the theme or the story that they did it was not very replicatable like i don't think a team could replicate what they did or the emotions that were conjured in that performance kpgd could not even do it themselves when they tried to do here ranja obviously like um just from a from a parent perspective or audience (laughs) perspective here ranja parents thought it was cool like you know family people who are in the audience think it's very cool because it's different but they still couldn't replicate the same emotions that were drawn out i think that's what also makes this performance so legendary and how it changed bungana whether you think in a positive or a negative way, but the cool, the, if you draw a comparison between the SPD impact and the KPGD impact, the SPD impact is something it's, you can repeat it because it's something yeah. that you can improve your dancing ability. That's a very <laughs> tangible thing that you can replace it. Sorry, Rom. And then the, the other piece with the KPGD thing, it's like, it's very, you can't really repeat that at all. You can, yeah, that's, it's hard to, it's not, it's hard to apply that again. That's that. And that's my point, right? It's, it's, you don't see KPGD sets. I, like KPG tried to get, I was there. We didn't do it. Uh, we got that feedback from the audience too. I And that was the core component. I think you saw what SPD did and you started seeing the mechanisms that pushed the dancing. Like I think SPD gave everyone a path to what now good, good dancing looked like. And there was an achievable way of doing it. At KPGD, it's just not a, I, I don't want to say it's not, like a scalable or like widespread phenomenon, because I think it requires a lot of like the brain trust who makes Bungana segments to think a specific way to make those things happen. Um, but there have been in, like attempts to try to do that again, and I just have not repeated that moment. And that's part of the reason why it is so legendary, right? It, it's it's had an impact on the circuit, but it's not as <clears throat> I think well felt as SPD, and it's 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 a big reason why. In in my opinion, I really like the KBGD routine because I, being in that moment, it's just those kinds of moments don't come around that often. Like I, those the three times in my life where I've experienced that in a competitive, maybe maybe more, but like mm-hmm. I would say like for me personally, three times where I've been like I'm in a truly ridiculously legendary moment live. You know, I, I some of the competitions that we talked about in the first episode, I, I wasn't there in person for. But uh, this was one of those things. Also, for the light circle was dope. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! As a judge there, that was uh, that was yeah, that was a lot of shingen. It was uh, I, I uh, for Thiele has you know beaten NJ and a couple of elite teams a couple of times and now and uh, that was a that was a really in, that was a really incredible performance in terms of all the things that needed to go together to make that great. So I'm just going to say that too.
Legit. All right. So 2017 to 2018, then, were four teams that we were deciding between. Um, so uh, a couple of teams uh, from Bruin. So there was uh, DDR at Bruin, which was a momentous performance for a variety of different reasons, most notably for the number of people that appeared on stage at that time. Um, There's some very complex concepts uh, balanced by some very good dancing. Uh, and that was something that uh, we hadn't seen before and was also... I think in the in this grand scheme of Bruin performances, it was a very touching and lasting kind of tribute that uh, I, I know for me was um, was very it touched me also. It was it was something that was very cool and uh, was a great homage to prior dancers and prior leaders and prior captains. Uh, there was for Thiele at Motor City, uh, which was a solid dancing performance. It wasn't I think the most spectacular set, but it was also great because. You know, Motor City doesn't ask for those things. And for Thiele, you know, went out and they just did it. And they danced. Uh, I, and the, I would say the dancing was was more than solid. It was very, very good. And if you watch it, I think um, it's one of those performances that it might not be the most rawest thing, but it is one of the most together performances I've ever seen, where everyone is just dancing consistently at the same level for eight minutes, which is an incredibly, incredibly hard task to do in Pongana. Uh, the next performance is uh, SPD at Bruin. Um, SPD at Bruin was uh, ridiculous uh, for a lot of reasons. They, you know, like taped the windows. They wouldn't let anyone know what they were going to do. Uh, they had a lot of audiovisual components to it. They had some really cool takes on getting the crowd into it. Uh, there's one moment where they did the hand clap on the Hindi song. And uh, although they really weren't dancing, it was just one of those really cool creative moments that they really sold that Bruin strives for. Then there's obviously the ending jumps with them just jumping and filling up the meter, which I think made the crowd go wild. Um, and that's a, that's a great performance, but I think in some ways, I think we were all pretty unanimous with this. Um, it was NJ, NJJ, because there's another NJ, NJJJJ uh, at Circle City was our pick for 27 to 2018. Yeah, so... Um, NJJ at Circle was honestly a mind-blowing performance. I'm actually just very sad that, one, that video isn't seen as often as it should because it was at Circle City, and it was kind of like a random tiny-ass comp. But that being said, I th I'm, I'm pretty sure the only video for a period of time was the one I recorded while I was there. And as Saab can attest sitting next to me during that performance was fucking awful for him and everybody else around me. Because I think I screamed louder than I ever have at a performance. It was insane. Honestly, I think one thing that was really nice that one thing, one thing that NJ always it was doing during that performance was subverting expectations in very slight but very eye-opening and impactful ways. When they're doing this, when they're in sops and they're doing these like these jaw claps and you kind of just like no okay they're gonna do the normal like hit 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 jaw and they're gonna just clap uh and then do like the round claps but then then they closed open back up into another thing that was a super huge moment for me that the mall the mall segment and personally i think the mall segments throughout the circuit have been getting kind of bland in terms of just going around the circle doing some formations doing whatever and this, the formational concepts in this performance were absolutely stunning. Everybody lost their mind over it. 
Um, the Kunde segment, fantastic. I there, You can just like watch performance. And one thing that Rom and Sid always told me when I was first making sets is that you need to capture the audience's attention and make them go like, oh shit, at least like every 30 to 45 seconds. And that was a performance that without a lot of gimmicks, did that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And it was just absolutely fantastic. One slight thing, there's like, there. so in my recording, um, all like NJ does is they do this thing where they like pull their kunde to the side and then just like slide like this. Like they have their kunde over the head and they just slide like this. I kid you not, I don't know what it was, but like when I was watching that and like they didn't so in sync, I thought the floor shifted and I like, like my my hand, like I literally was like, "Yo, what just happened? Did they just the floor literally just shift to the right?" But nah. And then I watched it again. I was like, "I think I was high or something. I don't know." Um, yeah, I remember but, when that video came out. I think I was in practice and like mm-hmm. I, I was just like checking my phone in between runs or something like that. And so I was like, "Oh, this video's up. Let me just click on it and see what's happening." Mm-hmm. And I watched the first like minute. And you know the feeling where they have those like that they make that square where they just move yeah. the lines all the way across. Yeah. Like before the sets even really started, I saw Mm -hmm. that my jaw hit the floor and I was like, okay, practice is canceled. We're all just going to sit here and watch this video. Because, I mean, the fact that you can pack that much into the opening like minute of the set, not Mm -hmm. even, it was less than a minute. The fact that you can pack that much in such a short period of time before the set's even really begun, it just Mm -hmm. set this tone. And I can only imagine what it was like live where it was just like, you'd better pay attention or you're going to miss something because this set mm-hmm. is about to be insane. And it really delivered on whatever promise it made to the audience in the first 30 seconds. Yeah. And also one thing that was really interesting is that that, that, that square formation, ever since I saw that performance, I've seen it pop up a million times. Like I have seen so many teams rip that, per, like rip that mechanism in like slightly subtle ways. But I was, that was the first time I kind of saw, like there are plenty of sequences like five, six, three, four, six beat sequences that people like will copy from another team over and over again, like the shift jun step or like something like that, which is kind of propagate. That was like for me personally, the first time I saw like a formational mechanism get iterated and repeat throughout a performance over and over again. So yeah. that was like, because was, I think was there a, was, yeah. I think the reason that people kind of go to that set over and over again for like more and more things they can take is because I think, honestly, I think people saw that and were like, Exactly what you were saying earlier. It was just no one expected that. No one else felt like they could have come up with it. And so they were like, oh, well, if this is just out here now and no one ever else is going to come and do this again, I guess it's like fair game almost, which, I mean, on the other hand, it's so unique that everyone knows exactly where that came from. Yeah. Regardless, fantastic fucking performance. Fucking loved it. Like, I went, I'm pretty sure I went to Circle on a whim and uh, so glad I went. Yeah, especially yeah. it's what I think the other thing that's like so. I think this season was also a really great season, and that's why, um, that's part of the reason why actually we had so few teams that we were kind of picking from because we knew it was such a good season that whichever we picked was really really good to begin with, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, the fact that the decision, while it was close, it was close in the sense that like. We talked about the merits of all of these sets a lot, but when it came down to voting, this was unanimous for us. And that just that just says so much about what a phenomenal set it was for such a um phenomenal season overall. Yeah. All right. Anybody have anything else to say? 
can't wait for the social media feedback on this one. (laughs) (laughs) So next, next season is 2018, 2019 season. So I first want first, we got Fodge Advice City. If anybody wants to know about the most legendary, uh, legendary competition in the past, like four years, it is Fodge Advice City. I don't know. Did you perform in that one? Yeah, I did. Can, can you like give me like a quick like thirty second shit show recap of Vice as a whole? As um, Vice as a whole, uh, I'll I'll start I'll start with like the the Thursday before the comp. I was I was at a uh, I was at TD Garden watching a Lakers Celtic game when the cat when the uh, captains group me or sorry the captains uh, WhatsApp group started blowing up and I looked at it and not only was I just sitting at by a basketball court, I looked at the group chat saying that our new stage is a basketball court. <laughs> And that's where the shit show started. Um, honestly, like after that, when we got there, uh, there is no, I, I heard that one of like, they had not set up their transportation for like getting teams from an airport to the, um, to the, to the place uh, where the comp or to the hotel. And, and they said that it was in Miami. So they told everybody to go to, uh, the Miami airport when in fact it was in a small town called Boca Raton, about 45 minutes from that airport. Uh, which also had an airport near it, and they told nobody to go to that airport. Um, so Great. then I believe one of the teams from Cal- California came, and they were the first team to land there. And the guy who had the comp had them book all the transportation vans because he had never done it, and he forgot his like uh, his ID to do it. So there is the second part of the shit show. The third part is that the mixer ends up... Uh, it was supposed to be at... Six, and it got pushed to 10.30, I believe. Hype. And we were all kind of just sitting there with the judges, uh, figuring out, the judges didn't even know what they were doing for the competition. They never met the organizer at that point. Um, and then, honestly, after that, it was just like all the teams kind of getting together to figure out what they wanted to do, how they wanted to go about the comp. And uh, it was a packed, it was a very packed... Uh, uh, basketball court? Me, uh, basketball court. As I must say, there was about, I think, three families there, plus the teams. So... Yo, I I remember like watching like that, and I I definitely saw like two dudes like with a basketball. They were just trying to hoop, and like yeah, ended up, like I, watching. <laughs> I def I definitely remember getting off stage and like looking at the entrance of the rec center, and there was like people just like there, like they came back from like some type of tennis practice or whatever they had there, and they're just like, oh, this is a cool thing going on. Uh, but yeah, oh, also our liaison never showed up until I found her serving food at the end of the day after the performance, and she was like. Oh, did you guys uh, place? And we're like, yeah, we placed first. She's like, are you guys Fodge? And we're like, yeah. And she goes, I'm your liaison. And we were like, where were you for the past like three days? So it's like, I have news uh, for you. You are not a liaison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Anyways, I just like, besides the shit. Vice, show is, was... like, Vice is like our generation's Bungra Blizzard. Yes, indeed it is. But Vice actually indeed happened. Is, except Blizzard didn't happen, happen. though. It, it happened. <laughs> For anybody who's curious about either of these performances, I will be linking the BTF threads in the show notes. Please read. Wonderful time. That Have is fun. that is the BTF that I miss. That is the yeah. only thing I miss about old BTF is those yeah. kinds of comp threads. <laughs> yes. Regardless about the show, even without the shit show, that performance was still fantastic. It, was that the first time y'all went co-ed? Yeah, that was yeah. the first time. First time they went co-ed. Anyways, after that, NJ Warris at six. Fantastic performance. The opening is very legendary. Everybody loves that opening, and that performance was absolutely wild. 
GCC at Bhangra Fest, arguably one of their, their GCC's best performances. Absolutely fantastic set. Absolutely fantastic performance. The formation, again, like you can just go, like this is like GCC in general. Absolutely fantastic formational mechanisms, crazy energy. Like it is amazing those those performances. However, uh, a very close decision. Again, uh, we went with FCB at Berg 2018. Yeah. So for this decision, it was really close between uh, FCB and GCC. Both were very phenomenal sets, but at the end of the day, it had to come down to the creativity level and the, both the creativity and the dancing level to, uh, that FCB brought. Um, though GCC had their uh, great mechanisms here and there throughout the set, FCB's mechanisms, uh, like always, were just, they're fantastic. And not only were they just doing simple choreography within those mechanisms, they brought out, like the my the best thing I can talk about is, I believe, the Femenia segment. Um, or it was actually a multitude of segments, I believe, are f pushed into one. But the amount of different... Um, mechanisms within that segment just kind of blew my mind away uh everybody also talks about the the kunda toss at the end of the kunda segment but one thing i liked the most about the kunda segment was the intro with the whole gimmick setup where the uh, i don't even know how you guys got the kunda to stick together like that first, <laughs> of, all, first of all i know you saw kundas being dropped from 100 feet in the sky just know that if at the very least you couldn't figure that shit out, then we're just, we're magicians. Second of all, I love how everyone would tell me that Kunde throw is the greatest thing of all time. And I feel like Cornell people are dying. It was Cornell who did that first, right? Like, I feel like all these Cornell people that we talked about in like the WBBC stuff earlier in the first episode. What Kunde toss did Cornell do? Dude, they definitely did a Kunde toss. I could find the YouTube video. It's, I mean, fine. We are, like, we are not the self throw, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was also something that we did, and then they took that from us. So yeah. I think, it's, I think all is fair in, in Bangara and Bangara. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But, Anyways. like, once again, I just think that FCB's uh, creativity made their set and their dancing level just made their set a lot better than the GCC set. In my opinion, I couldn't sit through the whole GCC set because I will point out the timestamp seven minutes, 39 seconds. I don't know what they did there. I don't know what they were trying to do there, but it kind of just like tossed the set for me as a whole. I'm going to look up what this timestamp is. What yeah, is it? 739? Yeah. Seven minutes and 39 seconds. Okay, it see. was sloppy. It didn't really go. It was the third time they did chicken wings on a drop. That, that is, yo, that is like one thing I will say that they, they loved. I mean, listen, I love chickens. I like passionately love. I love chicken wings, especially yeah. fried ones. Yeah, passionately love them. But I was like, yeah, even that's too much. You can't like do the same shit over and over again. Oh, this was this thing. Okay, it's right before the Libby segment. Oh man, I love this segment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I mean, I will. I will give it to you though that the that some of the hits were repetitive, especially like with the setup and stuff, but. I don't know. I mean, I I think that this is an issue that we're kind of coming up against repeatedly. I think we're noticing, like, we're having to compare sets that are just so different. And arguably, there's nothing more different than sets coming from two different circuits that don't even have the same, like, rubrics or the same... Um, they don't historically emphasize the same things. And so... 
were really looking good, like Ram said earlier, apples and oranges. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I I really like that GCC set, and I think that um, I think that people don't give enough credit to the UK circuit the last couple of years. I think in the past the criticism has been that um, they can't dance. Right. I mean, yeah. To put it. <laughs> As, as others may put it bluntly, um, that the level of dancing is just not up to snuff with what's happening in the U.S. And I think to a large extent, I agree with that. But the two caveats I would put on that is that um, I think you need to give some leeway for just stylistic differences. Um, I also think that the other thing is that in the last couple of years, in particular, the level of dancing in the UK has gone up significantly, especially among the top, you know, placing teams. Further down the list, I don't know if, you know, fourth place team at a UK comp is necessarily going to compete with the fourth place team at some of these, you know, high tier US comps. But the GCC set that we're talking about from Bugger Fest 2018, I think so many of the dancers had phenomenal energy all the way through. Um, quite a few of them think there's a guy in black and there's a guy in red who are just insane dancers and i think that they would they would probably beat out quite a few of the u.s's top dancers but um i don't know to that go ahead sorry to that point like i after watching that set gcc did have a couple phenomenal dancers but on the opposite end they also had many or as much weaker dancers yeah i i think i want to say it was either orange or I think it was orange, but they just after sup, the kind of energy just died within like a lower God half damn, of the dancers. I need that snippet. Uh, yeah, no, I mean you're right. You're right. The 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 whole teams as a whole are not at the same level across the board in terms of dancing. A lot of US teams are, but all of that aside, I think if you're looking at set construction, I mean maybe it's my personal preference, but I just the number of times that GCC did something on stage and it was just really, really clearly well orchestrated, well executed. Um, messy moments, for sure. But I would argue that the FCB set also had plenty of messy moments. It's just a question of what you value more, which is something that I said the last um, episode too, I know. But um, yeah, for me, for me, that GCC set just hit all the right notes. I was impressed with the energy level um and with the creativity creativity definitely skewed more towards formations than choreography whereas the fcb set um creativity Did both okay <laughs> umar are you good no <laughs> do you need your screws tightened what's happening nah nah i mean like you're not gonna get me like i'm i know obviously fucking biased so like you're not gonna get me to say anything but yeah yeah yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not that I don't think that the FCB set is good, right? Yeah, it is I good, know, I know. but yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's uh, it's what GCC did is hard to replicate. I'll put it that way. I just love it when people are like, you know, old dancers on teams should be able to old dancers should be able to judge their teams when they judge against. Just, they don't have hurt. They don't. They don't have any bias. Oh my. Yo, I'm pretty biased. <laughs> Yo, don't let, don't, yeah, to any comp out there, if there's an FCB performance, don't even ask me to judge. Like, don't even ask. Never be. Or afraid. if there's a GCC performance, don't ask. No, man, they're great. I love them. But when I'm competing against you, fuck you. <laughs> That's fair. I think it's a sentiment we could all agree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
All right, I think we are on our final Last. season. Oh boy. Yeah, the 2019-2020 season. The season that came to its unfortunate end with the coronavirus, COVID-19, SARS-CoV, I believe. SARS-CoV-2. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we only got half a season here, or about half a season here, and the performance that we did get were, were pretty, were, were decent for the, uh, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yo, they were kind of trash. Like that's like what you're saying. Yeah. They were kind of fucking bad. Careful, Some of us, some of us were on stage this season. <laughs> no, fuck. I disagree. I think I think no, every sorry. performance on this list was a good performance in comparison to other years. Yeah, too. every every everything was good. In good. comparison to other years, I think it was just as good. It wasn't worse. I don't, I don't see it at all. What are we? What are we talking about? I stepped. No, it's just because, no, it's because we it's because of Bruin and Blowout didn't happen. So like that's why we don't get those like big ones. I know, very weird. What? Rom, honestly, don't we're talking about twenty nineteen to twenty season. Okay, Rom also wrote in. Rom also wrote in for his uh, his things. Duh, who cares? Not me for his two his two uh, team picks. <laughs> I mean, I will go on record and say that there's just no possible way that anybody from this past year is going to win this thing. Unfortunately, you're everyone right. is just, yeah, everyone is just so COVID depressed. They're like, yeah, I don't know, screw this team. We didn't even have those comps. Exactly what Omar is saying. There's just no, yeah. there's just no way. So, Back, <laughs> so yeah, for the 2019 2020 season, the season that came to its uh, unfortunate end with COVID 19, uh, the coronavirus, SARS CoV 2, uh, we had uh, sets uh, from NDC, such as First Day at NDC, which uh, was a very strong performance of theirs. Uh, especially that being their second performance, they really solidified who they were uh, as a team and their identity. Uh, following that, we had DDR, uh, NDC as well, who also came out with spinning, and that was. <laughs> Give me some heads up at least, <laughs> man. Okay, no, well, other than that, that also happened that, at NDC I think this the, year. The DDR performance at the DDR performance at NDC was very was a very strong and clean performance. Um, everything up until that point, in my opinion. Was was pretty solid. Uh, the spinning could have done a little less spinning, but still effective at what it did. Uh, following that, uh, we had a DRP at RDR, which I believe, in my opinion, was one of the strongest all-girls performances that year or that season. Um, not only did they come out and do what DRP does best, but they brought it out with phenomenal dancing as well. And a peacock. Uh, we also had, what was that? And a peacock. And a peacock, yes. Uh, we also had uh, NJFL at Lob once again. Uh, folk lovers coming out and wrecking the stage as always. Uh, I can't really complain about any set that they ever brought out being bad. They're all phenomenal. They're all their sub segments are always mean. Their mixes are always bangers. It was just an overall great performance. And but the performance that we ended up choosing as the best performance from the 2019-2020 season was for Delay at East Coast. I just, I just, yo, just one second. I, you can put this in. You do, you can put, not put this in. I just find it really funny that Fortile is handing NJFL their like third loss. <laughs> well, <laughs> not to take away from Fortile at ECS, but because of our rules that only two two performances from a single academy or a single team could make it into the bracket, we actually did would have we actually would have picked NJFL at LOB as the best performance of this season, but because we already have NJ Circle. NJ Warriors at Boston in 2013, 
we have to now pick for Thelet ECS. I did have the honor of being in that audience and, and being there live and, and getting to judge that performance. And for all that I've, for, for all the performances I've ever judged, and this, you know, me genuinely saying this, uh, that might be the best overall performance I've ever judged. Just top down, excellent dancers, the, the aura that they presented, even with, when it was only Surya and Bobby and they were just starting on stage. Before, like, like when it was just those two, you had this feeling that, it, that everything, whatever was about to happen was going to be destructive. And they absolutely delivered on that. The, fun, the focus on fundamentals was there. Every single person that came to the front of stage was murdering it. I remember, I remember a moment uh, when Saab was in front and uh, he was doing sups. Like his sup was backwards from everybody. Like if his right hand was up in the air, uh, everybody else's left hand was up in the air. So he was opposite of everybody else, but he had, it, did, it looked like he had no idea because he was crushing it that hard. And it was kind of funny. But that's like just the aura that they were delivering to the entire audience, if that makes any sense, that it didn't matter what they were doing. It was amazing to watch, which is what you want from excellent performances is that the dancers are there selling every single moment about it. And this idea that we took, that at least I talk about, of controlling what the viewer is watching and what controlling what the viewer is appreciating. When they wanted you to appreciate how good they were at Bangarda, they did that. When they wanted you to appreciate how good they were at creating formations, they did that. When they wanted you to appreciate how cool, like a, a cool choreo concept, they did that. So throughout the entire thing, you know, they were delivering just every single, every single time A1 performance, uh, a, you know, just, it was just an unbelievably great job. I uh, can't say enough about it. And, you know, unfortunately the season got cut too short. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Maybe if we did have a Bruin, maybe if we did have a blowout, that ECS performance would still hang with, with anything that could have came, right? Because, you know, we, 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 on, on the rest of our, uh, on the rest of our picks, we didn't pick only Bruin sets. Like we picked a Circle City set, right? So, you know, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't agree with the idea that the season necessarily was a waste or something that was worse than others. I think that performance was, was very, very good. And, you know, they're our winner for 2019, it, I, I think that before the season cut short, it was, I, I had to watch that performance for this podcast. So I, I just want to throw that out there that we had to do a little bit of homework before watching it. Um, I thought it was, a, I thought it was a really good sign of, of things to come. And it's also, you know, if people haven't been watching any of the Ebunga stuff or seeing any of the live stream competitions, I think that also ties into how Frithila has been so good winning the inaugural, you know, Ebunga competition. I think a lot of what you know, Sid was talking about what that performance has rolled into that. Um, and they've truly become, you know, with the lack of competitions and just the streaming format, like a very top dog, top dog team. And not that they weren't a top dog team before, but it seems like they're, you know, setting up to be the elite team in North America, um, potentially when, you know, in 2021 or whatever year, 2022, whenever we get a vaccine and whatnot, uh, when we get back on stage, I feel like they've set the foundations for themselves and the bar very, very high from a dancing performance or dancing and performance standpoint. I was very excited for the potential of them versus any at Nutch the team at champs for this season. I think, I think it was going to be a bloodbath between for whichever, obviously whichever NJ team showed up to, to play with for Thiele, it just would have been a bloodbath and it would have been amazing to watch. Yeah. I think the only weak link is Saab Grover. I think he just needs to stop dancing. <laughs> And just do shares. 
from wheelchairs. <laughs> in jeans. In jeans. On yeah. one leg. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Bhangra Podcast. And there is still one week left to make a prediction bracket before it all shuts down. So be sure to enter to win the pot of cash at the end of this entire thing. And vote for your favorite performances of the decade. Yeah. Yeah.